Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Hope everybody had a great uh, new year. You may be wondered, wondering why I'm wearing this wonderful outfit today. It's beautiful, isn't it? Today, the Dallas Cowboys have the first meaningful game that they've had in years. We play the New York Giants. And who, I see your jersey over there. I knew there was something that looked terrible in that side of the room. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, it's really, it's, it's, it's like the first game that we've had in a long time. First of all, the Giants and the Cowboys are both terrible. We're horrible. This is like... This is like, you know, two children that are fighting each other, and the winner of that fight gets to fight Mike Tyson. That's sort of like what's going on right now. One of us is going to make the playoffs. The other one is going to get destroyed by whoever we actually play in the playoffs. But anyways, today I wore this jersey partially because I don't want to be perceived as a fair-weather Cowboys fan. I'm still a Cowboys fan, even though they're terrible. I don't pray for them that much anymore during service. Uh, simply because I'm not sure it will help at this point. Uh, I know God loves every, you know, everything that's good in life, and the Cowboys are certainly good, but I'm just not sure he's concerned about them right now. Uh, so I, I, I've, I've, my prayers have gone down uh, when it comes to the Cowboys. But I want to wear this because of what I'm talking about today. My message today um, really has to do with a, a topic and an issue that I think affects us more than we realize. And this is for every age group, no matter who you are today. Uh, you may be a, a kid. You may be, you know, kind of in the, the golden years of your life. You may be on, you know, in, in, in the best time of your life. Uh, but I think this topic and this idea is big. And, and I think that sometimes we as modern people tend to read the Bible and we hear topics in the Bible and we go, oh my gosh, that just sounds like so archaic and like that's just, that's like so primitive and that's, that's, that has nothing to do with who I am or what I go through on a daily basis. And I think that we just write things off that are foundational and primary. Uh, and and I, I can't think of anything more primary and foundational than the Ten Commandments. So when I think of the Ten Commandments, I'm thinking, okay, let's look at the first one. You may... Worship no other God than me. I think we have a tendency in our modern day to go, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Really, the first, the very first thing that God tells people, the very first thing when he's ordering and structuring a society, the, the foundational principle that he makes for his society, because he knows that we have a propensity to want to Find gratification in things that are not him, hence my Cowboys jersey. We love identifying ourselves with something that can have a logo or that, that everyone else can see. And then they look at it and they look at us and they, they pair us together. Everything will be okay if I can just have this, if I can just have that. God knows that that's the heart of don't worship any other God before me. Because he understands that the reason that we would try to worship something else other than him is because it seems like a quicker pathway to significance. Is, is everyone getting that today? 
that, that whatever would cause us to sidestep a biblical life, a godly life, a Christ-like life, and look, people do it all the time. They do it every day. You know, teenagers do it. Kids do it through everything. And look, it's, it's not, I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to go, oh, the TikTok generation is evil. Uh, no, that's not the point. The point is you do it on TikTok. Your grandma does it on Facebook. Everybody's got their own way of sidestepping the kind of life that God has called us to. What, in, what life does Jesus invite us to? An unassuming, quiet, internal life where we're growing every day and becoming more like Jesus and letting people see that in our life. But so many things pull us and say, get views, get followers, get likes, get significance. Look, I am not banging on social media right now. I, I, actually, I'm, I'm using some examples of social media. I think social media has the power to do some incredible things and has the ability to connect with a lot of people. But what I'm, I'm trying to give some examples of things that we will replace as gods in our life, things that we will replace God with something else. I don't care what that something else is. It has a million different expressions based on, on who it is. That's why God, the first thing he says, don't worship any other gods. And, and what's, what's funny is you're like, well, let's move on to number two, Pastor Jeff, because it's not a problem for me. Never has been, never will be. Worship one God, Yahweh's his name, Son Jesus Christ, power of the Holy Spirit going on with me. Totally good over here. Let's move on to number two, okay? Well, the problem with that philosophy is that some people get their meaning and their value by being good. And they get their, they get their significance from following everything this book says and never making any mistake. And then it becomes a, a long list of all the great things that you've accomplished for God. I've done this. I've done that. And, and see, then something has actually crept in and become your God and you don't realize it and it's called self-righteousness. That's why this, 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 this whole thing here about false gods, things that we worship, things that we pour ourselves into, we bow at the feet of these things. We adore them. Anybody remember uh, those old videos of kids at like the Beatles concerts and stuff where they're going, eh! I mean, they're, they're like shaking their hands and like screaming and crying. They're weeping. They're weeping. I mean, you, you saw that all stuff, you know, when Justin Bieber was around. And like people, or, or you know, let's, not, you know, let's, let's not limit it to just teenage girls screaming for rock stars. We have grown men dressed up with cheese on their head at football games and shirtless with like, you know, like low, things painted on their bodies. But, Come on. I mean, we're talking about the, 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 the extremes that people will go to, 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 to worship, right? To worship whatever God it is, the lies that people tell their friends and family 
in order to be able to do that thing that gives you so much gratification that you don't want anyone to know how obsessive you are with that thing. Are you following me? Why would you do that? That's Because it's a God that you're worshiping and you're ashamed for anyone to know that you worship a God that way. So you come up with lies and you come up with ways. You say, I thought this was supposed to be encouraging. I think it actually is going to be encouraging if you'll stick with me for a second. My God, it's the first Sunday of the year, Pastor Jeff. You're killing me. Stick with it for a second. We'll get there. Because it goes on to say, you shall not make for yourself any idols. No images of animals, birds, or fish. It doesn't say anything about stars, so we're good there. Eagles fans, birds, see what I'm saying? (laughs) Completely demonic. (laughs) You must never bow or worship it in any way, for I, the Lord your God, am very possessive. I will not share your... Oh, it's the moon, okay. Or what is that? Is that a planet? Is, that a, is it the moon? Is that a planet? It's not a scripture, that's for sure. I will not share your affection with any other God. So, so, so what, he's, what he's saying here is the heart of this, what's underneath all of this, what causes us so many issues in life, if you're sitting there going, yeah, but you're not even talking about my issue. No, this is our issue. This is where everything starts, is affection is that our affection is typically put toward things that give us the kind of instant gratification that we crave, and we're trying to step around God's way of getting the gratification that gives us true satisfaction in our soul, and we look for a quick fix. We want a microwave version of a recipe that's supposed to slow cook all day. You can microwave stuff all you want, but it'll never taste the same. It'll never taste the same. It will never be cooked as thoroughly. It will never be cooked the way it was intended. That's why they're just, now, I'm just telling you straight up, we all live this way. We all live this way. And this is what God is so concerned about is our affections are put toward things that give us gratification just like this. And he has a way of doing it. And and he warns us against these false gods. And you go, you go, well, but I, you know, I don't worship any other God. No, it just has names that don't sound like the name of God's. It's not like Baal. It's like reputation or a job title or, you know, an accomplishment or the perfect marriage or love. Oh, this, we'll get into this one in just a second. Oh, we have a big problem with this one. Why? Well, I mean, partly because every movie or television show or novel we've ever read paints some picture of love as this amazing thing that no matter what you've got going on in life, if you have that one person that loves you no matter what, you, someone that vows you, values you and sees your worth, then no matter what, Well, I got news for you. You can't control another person. You you may have somebody that loves you and values you. They may be the hottest thing on the planet. 
They may, may be the most wonderful. Everyone's so jealous of you because you got that spouse that everyone wishes they had. But I got, I got news for you. That may give you some gratification when you post your pictures online for the first time or you show how beautiful your wedding was. That's great. But you can't control that person no matter how godly you are. No matter how much and how faithful you are to the Lord, no matter how much you seek God, no matter how much you pray together as a couple, no matter how committed and passionate that person was to God when you met them, you can't control them. So if your significance long term is coming from something that you can't control, you are setting yourself up for disaster. This is what happens when we make something a God that wasn't intended to be our God. And we do it through all these things that look wonderful and they're fine. They're things. Things, in all honesty, are very neutral. That's why the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are things? It's whatever. It's, it's like fine. It's like a wife, a husband. If that's really what you're looking for. I mean, Paul says, I think it's better for you, nobody to be married. We don't really talk about that very much. But, but Paul says, I, I, if you want to do the work of the kingdom, don't get married. Just do what I do. But he's like, oh, if you have to get married. <laughs> he's like, but if you really, you know, if, if, if you really love rom-coms and, and, and you really love all those, uh, all those romantic, you know, books and, and, and stories about people and you have to and you feel like that that's what makes life worth living. That's what gives you your significance. Then go ahead and do that. And if you do that, that's fine. But it says, seek ye first, the kingdom of God is righteous. All these things will be added to you. If that is a husband, if that's a wife, if that's children, if that's family, if that's a car, if that's money or resources or whatever, it's fine. What God is saying is just make sure that the first and primary thing in your heart is seeking God and his righteousness. Then the things are fine. They're okay because they're in their proper perspective. But when you put the things above God, when you put the things above the worshiping the one that you're supposed to worship and living what you're supposed to live for, those things become your God and you end up serving things and worshiping things and running errands for things and lying for things and doing anything you can to keep the things that sustain you and support you and they will fall apart. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what? The bottom line is what he's saying is things are just things. I can do ministry for God. I can, I can build a tent for God. He made tents. They're just things. But I, he, and what he was saying when he said that is he said, I've learned the secret of being content whether I have a lot or I have a little. What's the secret? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Things are just things. Somebody say things are just things. And I hate telling you this if you're sitting next to a beautiful thing that's got makeup on and a pretty outfit on. But, but you, know, you say, well, people are people. I know, but people represent things in some way to us because people become the avenue through which we pursue our dreams sometimes. We see this in the story of Jacob. We see it through the story of Leah. Actually, we see it in almost every single biblical character. First of all, the Bible is so full of jacked up people. This should be very encouraging to you. Um, the Bible is 
full of people who is, they're just whack. They get multiple wives. And by the way, anyone who ever reads the Bible and thinks the Bible condones the way these people lived misses the point. God never condoned that. God always was going, really? You're going to sleep with the, 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 the maidservant of, the, of, of your wife, and you have babies with her, then you're going to get another wife? and you, Really? That's the way you want to live? Really? And what we find is that God ends up through Scripture blessing jacked up people. If you're jacked up, put your hand in the air right now, okay? Because that means you're qualified for God to bless you, okay? That means you're actually qualified. So in these stories, I mean, when it comes to Jacob, let's just talk about this dude for a second. You're talking about a guy who lived his whole life, who, who becomes, you're, you're talking about a guy who, who <laughs> Israel, when you hear the name Israel, that's him. When you think about the lineage of, of, of Jesus, it comes through him. But you're talking about a guy who was born second to his twin. He's born just seconds or minutes after his older brother Esau. And from the day he was born, his name means supplanter or deceiver. So from the day he was born, he has an insignificance complex. Because he's, his, he's not his father's favorite son. So one of, this, one of the primary characters of Scripture grows up his whole life searching for significance and searching for ways to be recognized and searching for ways to be valued and constantly looking for ways to stand out because he doesn't feel like enough. We all have these issues. In our, is this okay today? Are, we, are, we, are you like thrown off that I'm wearing a Cowboys jersey or are we going to be able to make this work? So, so we all have these issues. We all have these things, and it's something. It's that I wasn't loved as a child, or, or you know, I had this person that was recognized for all they did, and I was never. And, and we have all these things that are driving us and create this narrative in our mind on why we do the things we do. But Jacob feels so insignificant that his older brother Esau has the birthright. And even though they're twins and he's born just minutes before him, in this particular culture, the older brother got a double portion of the father's wealth, of the father's blessing, and he got to run the family. So one day when his older brother Esau, who, by the way, they're polar opposites. Jacob is like a gamer. He's like, he has no hair on his chest. He's like, you know, he's, he, he's, he's, like, he, he's like a fashionista probably. He's like, he's like very uh, in, in tune with the culture. He's like a thinker and all this stuff. Esau is literally... He is so hairy that when Jacob is deceiving his father later, he puts animal skins on his arm, and his dad's blind. He's like, see, Dad, it's me. And he, he reaches out and touches like the wool of a bear. Somebody's like, oh, yeah, it is you. I mean, that's how hairy Esau was. This guy is really hairy. This is a hairy man. I mean, and, and he's a hunter, and he's just like his dad. He, you, you couldn't feel more insignificant if you're Jacob. That you got this big burly brother. Oh, hey, I'm home. Oh, and he's carrying the deer on his shoulder. Got, got another one, Dad. You know, and, and it's like you're over there. You know, you're over there playing Xbox. You're like, that's really good, buddy. Uh, so this this is like the scenario. And and Jacob is is thinking to himself, how can I? If I could just get, oh, this is where our oh man, this is where our problems start. If I could just 
get her. If I could just get this job or this building or if I could just grab that microphone one time and people could hear my brilliance. If I could just get this house, if I could just build my dream house. It all starts right there. Our problems start right there. If I could just, if I could just get verified. (laughs) Then all of my haters would have to bow down at my feet and say, look, he made it. He made it. You follow me, guys? It starts with that, if I could just. And he thinks to himself, if I could just have my brother's birthright, no matter how many hours I play Call of Duty, all of the people that criticize me will have to at least admit he's got a double portion and he's going to lead the tribe someday. No matter what, no matter what. So if I could just get that, then people would have to recognize that there's something special about me. We want to be special. We want significance. And there's so many different plots and plans that we come up with to get it. And what we don't actually want to do is just what we're supposed to do, which is just get up every day and live for Jesus. Get up every day and let the power of the Holy Spirit change us to be better than we were yesterday in the sense of better means following after his plan and purpose for our life more than we did yesterday. Being more trusting, being more peaceful, being more faithful, being more hopeful than we were. That's the process that we don't like and that we resent, but it's the only process that works. I want the pill that gives me the six pack now. Invent it. People need that. But you know what? No one's ever going to make it because that's not how you get one. It's slow. It's terrible. I was, I mean, I was, I was like on social media s- scrolling through it, and I saw, uh, uh, you know, something just popped up in there. It was like a guy doing, uh, what are those things called? I can't remember the name. Crunches. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I started sweating. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, get it off my feet. What is going on? They look, they look exhausting. I'm joking. I do a thousand a day. Uh, (laughs) But the point, the point I'm trying to make is that there really are no shortcuts to the kind of gratification that we get when Jesus becomes our everything. But we look for them in all of these things that lead to total dead ends. But we're not smart enough to figure it out once we get that thing that we wanted that doesn't give us the significance we're searching for, we're not smart enough to go, wow, this really doesn't work. We do what Jacob did. What did Jacob do? He figures out a way to cheat his brother out of the birthright. Okay, so it's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's crazy. His brother is like super hungry. Think about, think about how hungry you have to be to do what this guy did. He's, done, he's like, he comes back, he's, you know, he's really, really tired and he's hungry. And, and Jacob makes some of his favorite. This would be like me being famished and someone coming to me and, 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 and like baking me a red velvet cake. And being like, give away your future for this red velvet cake. I'd be like, what do you mean by my future? 
I mean, this is, this is like the temptation that Esau's having. Because Jacob's like, give me your birthright, I'll give you some of this soup. This had to be really good soup. He, go, he goes, give me your birthright, I'll give you this soup. And he goes, oh, what, what good is a birthright to me if I'm dying? I'm about to die over here. He's like, I'm so, he literally says this. He says, I'm so hungry, I'm about to die. What good's a birthright if I'm dead? He's like, then, then give me your birthright. He's like, fine, you can have my birthright. Give me some of that soup. And he takes the soup and he eats it. So he officially does a deal, preys on someone else's weakness. This is how, this is how immoral we become when we think that we have discovered a pathway to significance. So when, whatever it is in your life, if I could just, that blank is different for everyone in this room because Jacob says, if I could just get that birthright. So what does he do? Boom, he's got it. Does his life magically change into something wonderful at that moment? No, he needs more. So he doesn't just want the birthright. He wants to take the blessing that his father Isaac is going to put on Esau before he dies. He wants to steal it. So he comes up with this plot and this plan that when it's time to do the customary blessing where the father, who is like literally like 130 years old or something at this time, he's blind. When he does the blessing, he cooks this food. He does all this stuff. He walks in with the, the animal skins on his arm. And he's, like, he's, like, he's like, Esau, is that you? He's like, yes, it's me. And he's like, let me feel your arms. He's like, here. He's like, wow, that is you. And he's like, bless me, Father. So, so literally, he's lying to his weak, old, blind father. This is, this is literally what we turn into when we're in pursuit of things. When we're in pursuit of things that we think are going to give us meaning and value and deep satisfaction, we'll do anything. We'll hurt anyone. We'll lie to our family. We'll compromise our morals. We'll do anything. And Jacob lies to his old blind father, and his father blesses him. Now, I know we, in modern society, we go, oh, why, why couldn't he just take it back? That's not the way things work. So what he did is he goes, he goes once he blessed him, he blessed him. You know, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to do all these amazing things. His Esau comes in later and goes, hey, father, it's time to bless me. He goes, woo, what do you mean it's time to bless you? I just blessed you. He's like, you didn't bless me. He's like, Oh, he figures it out. And Esau's weeping and crying. He's like, please, Father, bless me. I'm, it's me. And he goes, no, I can't. I already blessed your brother. You're going to serve him. Uh, you, you live by the sword. You're going to die by the sword. He says all these things to Esau. It's like this heartbreaking thing. Okay, so now Jacob has literally got everything that he ever wanted. Everything. He's got the, he's got the double portion. He's got the birthright. And he's got the blessing. So does he wake up the next day when he gets what he has been desperately wanting so much, enough to lie and compromise his morals? Does he wake up the next day and go, I have it all, praise you, God. Everything is perfect. No, what does he do? He realizes, I have it all. Now my brother wants to kill me. I can't even live here anymore. So he has to go live in the, the town where his mother is from. So he has to leave his whole life. So he's got what he wants, but now it's cost him everything. And he's got to go somewhere else. So the thing that gave him significance, that made him somebody, now he's a total nobody again. This is exactly what happens to us when we get exactly what we want. We realize that that thing we wanted so much, it's just like, so, so what does Jacob do? 
He does what we all do. He meets and finds something that absolutely fascinates him to the core, something new that fascinates him to the core. Her name happens to be Rachel. And she's really pretty. You know, it's funny. When you read the scriptures, when it comes to the way it describes her, it's very uh, raw. It says, this, it says this right here. It says in verse 6, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. By the way, I've heard all kinds of people say, well, the Bible would never be mean. It would never say she had weak eyes, you know, meaning that she wasn't pretty. It just means she couldn't see good. No, it doesn't say that she had weak eyes, but Rachel could see really good. It says she had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure. This woman had a great body. That's what the Bible's saying. It's saying she, like literally, there's no other way to interpret that. She had a lovely figure and it said, and was beautiful. So it's making a contrast in between the fact that this woman is pretty to look at figure-wise. So it's saying if you saw her coming from a half a mile away, you go, woo, look at her. And then on top of it, when she got close, you go, it gets even better. You're like, how could you, Pastor Jeff? This is the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. So, so, so now, now it's gone from if I could just have the birthright, if I could just have the blessing, and he got that, he goes, well, that didn't satisfy me. Now I gotta go live somewhere else. And right when he gets there, he's thirsty and, and enrolls the prettiest girl in town, Rachel. Now it becomes this thing of if I could just have her, Everyone would see she's my Corvette. When, when I roll up in this, people are going to look, look at her and go, ooh, he has that. He must, he must have something going on. He's got her. He must be somebody. He must be something. And yeah, you know, I've heard all kinds of people say, oh, well, he was so in love with her. And I know the scripture said that, you know, he, he worked for Laban uh, for an extra amount of time, but it went by fast because he loved her. You know, that word for love, I, I get it. I understand that, that there is a romantic aspect. But in this time and in this culture, this is a very rare idea. People did not marry for love at that time. They married for status. It's widely known by scholars and commentators that love was really not part of the equation back then. You married for status. And men did married for status. And, and women, their goal was that in that particular time that to have kids and have a family gave you significance. That if you provided the kids, then you were somebody and you were something. This is the ways that we get our worth all messed up. This is not, the, this is not godly. It's not, it's not God's plan for our life. But he rolls up and, 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 you know, so Rachel's good looking. And it says Jacob was in love with Rachel. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just, it's right after it says she, was, she had a lovely figure, it was beautiful. It says he was in love with her. I'm sure it's not the kind of love that, you know, you were all the, oh, that's so romantic. No, he just thinks she's hot. It's that kind of love. And he says, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. So there's a problem. Leah is the older daughter, the one that's not good looking. And, but he wants the younger daughter. The problem is it's customary to marry the older daughter. You got, these guys, when they had daughters, they were, they were kind of selling them off one by one. You start with the oldest and you work your way down. It's horrible. 
And, you, and, and by the way, like I said, the Bible does not condone these things. These, this is the way that people live. God chose people that were messed up and flawed in that system. And the more and more we follow the ways of the Lord, the more our lives will look like the kingdom. That's why, you know, Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a process of getting that kingdom life into our life. We have to pray that God brings that kingdom life into our world. So I'd like to close out. I may jump back on this next week. I think I'm going to jump back on this because I'm really not done. Uh, because I think there's so much more here, especially in this story. But I, I think what, what, our pro, what, our, what, what we get down to is when we dig into this, it says that, you know, he says, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. Now, note really quick that Laban doesn't say yes. He says, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. So he kind of leads him on. So he doesn't complete the deal. They don't do a covenant or anything like that. He just sort of passively says, oh, that's, you know, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. It says he served seven years to get Rachel, but they seem like only a few days because of his love for her. Uh, verse 21, Jacob said to Laban, after this time, listen to this, another, another crass, raw comment, give me my wife, my time is completed, and I want to make love to her. Okay, this is, this is a pretty... I mean, and I'll tell you something, I studied a lot of commentators. A lot of commentators have a problem with that. They're like, how do we spin that? And there's just no way to spin it. He's saying this to the dad. He's like, look, I've, it's been seven years. I, I, I just can't take this anymore. We see that, that he's living out of his passions. He's, he's living out of this thing that if I could just, I'll be somebody, I'll be something. We fall into this trap. He's living out of his passions. And now... Here's what I'm going to get into next week that I really hope you show up. I really hope you come because I believe this is going to uncover some stuff. We get into the fact that it's a messed up family because everybody's jacked up. And it's a, it's, it's a messed up group because now he brings his problems and sows them into Leah's life. And it's Rachel's life. And now you've got Leah, who is also looking for her significance in a different way. So at the end of the seven years, Laban says, you worked for Rachel, but the night of the wedding, everybody's drunk, they're drinking. They, they don't have LED lighting in tents back then. And Laban sneaks in Leah into his tent. I've, I've always thought that was kind of strange. It's like, how do you, you know, do that? And then go, oh, you're not my wife. I mean, that just really doesn't seem like something that is realistic. But when you study it and you think of it, there were, there were all kinds of customs where you don't see her till the last minute and all these things. So when Jacob wakes up the next morning and realizes it's Leah, he's deeply disappointed. That's what I want to leave you with today is that our pursuit of that thing that we think is gonna give us significance always leads to waking up the next morning next to Leah. It is always less than we imagined. And I don't care what it is that you're pursuing in your life. And we're gonna talk about Leah next week. And we're gonna talk about how being not beautiful and being unloved by her husband could have seemed disastrous, but God had a plan for her life. God used her in an incredible way. We're gonna talk about that next week. But, we're, but this week I'd like to focus and end this idea 
on Jacob getting what he thought was gonna make him happy, happy and waking up the next morning realizing he had been cheated and he had been lied to the same way he lied to his father and deceived his father. He deceived his father and at the last minute pulled the old switcheroo. And isn't it interesting that it got pulled on him? So what I wanna encourage you is don't, don't spend your life in pursuit of things that identify you, the, these things that when you walk in the room, everyone knows they're this, they're that. All these things, I promise they're just a, a, a trap. They're trying to lead you down the wrong road. Today, realize that the deepest gratification that you will ever receive is the gratification you receive from knowing and loving Jesus and saying that I'm loved by God. He cares for me. He has a purpose for my life, and I don't have to try to be anything. I am something today because of what God has already done for me. That's the, gra- that's the greatest gratification that we could ever receive. I'll dig into that a little more next week, but today I hope that leaves you feeling encouraged today. Maybe go read this story if you want to prepare for next week. Go read the story in Genesis. It's a really, it's very dramatic and it's very encouraging to me how God uses flawed people because I know that, man, I'm I'm flawed and, and, and I'm amazed that God is able to use me at all. So I love you today. I appreciate you so much. I'm excited about this new year. I'm excited about the opportunity to do great things for God. And I just don't want you falling in the same traps that you fell into last year. Who's ready for something new? I'm ready for a new way of doing things this year. Amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.